Welcome to Send the Church podcast, where we are going over the chronological Bible study. And in this episode, we will be touching on Abraham. Now, Abraham is a very, very central person to the entire story of the Bible because he is referenced pretty much from beginning to end. And we're going to touch on the beginning of Abraham's life today where his name was Abram. So let us read from Genesis chapter 12. It says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house into a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless him that blesses thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now, Abram, we saw in the previous episode, was used in contrast with those of the Tower of Babel. And God gave the promise to a promise to Abram that man tried imposing upon himself in Genesis 11. Now, something has got to be included here in the chronology of the Bible. If you read the Bible chronologically, you will see that between Genesis 11 and Genesis 12, the book of Job is interpolated. Now, the book of Job is an awesome book because it touches on the wrestle and struggle of humanity with the question and reality of suffering. The book of Job addresses how really the philosophy and of the, of the East or the greatest source of philosophy that was known to man in that day. And really much of that philosophy is even referenced today. How philosophers of the East, which were the friends of Job, in fact, that's what they represented. They wrestled and struggled and fell short to describe suffering in a righteous person. But Job by the grace of God, was faithful to remain in the will of God, even though he had struggles along the way of dealing with suffering. So we see that the Lord's report of Job was one that was very positive. The Bible says that Job hated evil. He was a righteous man. He was very whole, wholesome in his spirituality with the Lord. There was none like him. And his story is interpolated. It's inserted between Genesis 11 and 12. And so we see that God has people that are wanting to please him and seek relationship with him, regardless of where they are. Job was great in the East, the Bible says. And Abraham, he's from the land of the Chaldees. So this is really awesome, again, because God has relationship with people, even in various backgrounds, as long as they are sincerely and intentionally seeking him above all other false gods that are around them, 
The Lord will reveal himself. And that's what the Lord does with Job. And that's what the Lord does with Abram. And so, we find ourselves with the story of Abram. And God gives Abram a promise. And the Bible says in verse 7 of Genesis 12, and the Lord took and the Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord, who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed going on still toward the south. This is awesome because the way Abram responded to God's promise of prosperity was sacrifice. We see the same response in Abram that was present in Noah. Noah from previous episodes, we learned that Noah, when he got a promise of prosperity and multiplication and covenant with God, Noah built an altar and sacrificed unto God from with animals from the ark. And we see a similar response in Abram. He gets a promise about offspring and heritage and lineage and legacy. And he responds with sacrifice. This is a pattern that we see in the righteous of the Old Testament and really continues to live on in principle in the New Testament. That the righteous respond to blessing with sacrifice. So Abram really gets the attention of God and after his promise and declaration of blessing, he goes into Egypt. Now, there is a famine in the land, and it's very, very interesting what happens here because we see the humanity of man even when man is chosen by God. This is honestly very, very comforting. Could I say encouraging? Because to be chosen by God comes with a great price and comes with great blessing and reward. But it does not remove the humanity of the chosen. We see it in Abram. We see it in Moses. We see it in uh, David. We see it in Samuel. We see it so many people. Isaiah. We see it in Ezekiel. We even see in Jesus Christ that he gets angry, turns tables, he sleeps, he gets grieved, he gets frustrated. We see the humanity throughout the Bible in those that are chosen by God. And so we are going to have moments of displaying the weakness and frailty of our humanity even when we're chosen by God. And Abram lies 
about his wife being his sister in Egypt. And this is quite a humorous story, honestly, because the Lord defends Abram from being basically infiltrated by Pharaoh. And Abram did not know the extent into which God was wanting to protect him. We have to consider the context. Abram was called out of a land of false gods. He has a voice speak to him. And Abram follows the voice. And Abram is discovering day after day, moment after moment, significant experience after significant experience that this Lord of heaven and earth that has been speaking to him is wanting him to trust him. That's so vital because we see this layer after layer play out in the life of Abram. And so the Bible says essentially that Pharaoh takes his hands off of Abram and his wife. And in Genesis 20, we read about Abram returning to his land and the altar that he had initially built unto the Lord. Verse 13, uh, chapter 13 says of Abram, And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had in Lot with him into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. There's a few details here that are important to understand the rest of Abram's life. And that's that Abram had a group of people with him. And in that group was Lot, his nephew. Now, looking at the history of Lot and his parents, there's a lot of family drama. We touched on the family drama that happened between Cain and Abel, and then Seth comes later on, not knowing who Cain was because Cain wasn't around. He might have heard that Cain was cursed by God and that his and that Cain killed his other brother, Abel. I can't imagine what that was like growing up for Seth. But we see more family drama and dysfunction in the life of Abram and Sarai, his wife. Because Lot has an eye for things that are not godly. And so we see that Lot gets in trouble multiple times. And Abram, being a man who really shows forth that he's righteous, tries to defend Lot even when Lot gets himself in trouble. So that's the stories that we read. Lot gets in trouble. Abram has so much money and resources that he gets a lot out of trouble by sending his own personal army and militia, which is pretty wild to think about because Abram was referred to as a prophet in the different scenarios that the Lord has to get him out of. So this is pretty awesome because we have the story, we have really the, the first insight of what a prophet's life looks like. And Abram was very wealthy. 
And this is something that has challenged the minds of a lot of people because there is a thought and a teaching that it is not God's will to bless his people uh, naturally. And Abram was very, 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 very wealthy with even a personal army. And he was called a prophet. Now, we do not live with a love for money, as the Bible would admonish us to. Because ultimately, of course, like in life, money is not everything. And Abram and Sarai had different issues that money could not fix. They had issues with their health. And so we see they also had issues with their family. That Abram committed adultery at the prompting of his wife. Folks, this is dysfunctional and dramatic. And we see the work and plan of God being played out even in the frailty of humanity. Because God has created man, as we've touched on in previous episodes, with free will. And because man has free will, man has the opportunity to repent and rectify that which man has erred in. Angels do not have the opportunity to repent. And so God is able to have restoration in his relationship with Abram But Abram has to pay a price of covenant and has to remain in that covenant time and time again. And Abram, at one one of these points, he rescues his nephew Lot from a regional war that broke out where Lot decided to live. But let's backtrack a little bit in Genesis chapter 13 again, where Abram and Lot, and really the whole group that was with Abram, they're looking at the land that God has promised them. And Abram, being the elder, does something that is not customary. And he lets Lot, his nephew, choose where he wants to live. The Bible says that Lot was told by Abraham to separate himself and basically occupy the land that God was giving before them. And Abraham tell Abram tells Lot, if you choose to go to the right, I'll go to the left. If you choose to go to the left, I'll go to the right. And this is not the order and this is not customary for the elder to let the younger choose first. And Lot, the Bible says in Genesis 13, verse 10, he lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Now, Lot should have known by this time with all of the blessings that would come upon Abram when Abram would get in trouble, Lot should have known better. 
and not separated himself from Abram. And Abram allows Lot to separate himself because Lot was led by his eyes. The Bible says in the next verse, Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that Lot was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes, and look from the place where thou art northward and southward and eastward and westward, for all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. Now, again, at the end of this promise, Abram builds an altar in verse 18. This is so important again to recognize. When God declares a promise, we must build an altar and sacrifice on it. And we see something here that when we let God choose instead of flesh choose, we will always end up with more than what flesh could ever possess. Lot was led by his eyes. Abram waited for the Lord to tell him to lift up his eyes. This is so important because the lust of the eyes is a real thing. And Lot was not lusting after a human. Lot was lusting after gain. He was lusting with his eyes, but Abram was led by the Spirit. And God spoke to him and said, I'll give you everything, north, south, east, west, which included the, the land that Lot had chosen for himself. So we need to learn how to let God choose and let God lead so that we could possess everything that God has for us. So the Lord sets this all up and Abram thereafter, he delivers Lot from that regional war that, break, that broke out as previously mentioned. And Abram gives to Melchizedek of the tithe of the spoil from that war that Abram had victory in. Now, but Melchizedek is a very interesting figure because the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that really we have no natural record of Melchizedek. The Bible does say that he is a king of Salem and a priest of the Most High God. So here we're seeing another instance of people in the earth that are seeking the Lord even in the midst of an unrighteous nation or unrighteous environment because humanity was much, much closer then to the beginning of humanity than we are now in this year. And there were they were more acquainted with their Genesis story 
than many people are today because we're so many years removed. And if we're not reading and understanding creation and humanity's history from the Bible, then we're going to have a lot of gaps in our understanding of how we got here. And so Melchizedek shows up and Abram recognizes him because Abram's following the same God that Melchizedek serves. And we learn a little bit more about that relationship in the book of Hebrews. So after this, the Lord confirms with Abraham a covenant. The Bible says in chapter 15 that the Lord came to Abraham in a vision and said, Fear not, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? This is one of the first instances of Abram confessing his lack, even though he had material abundance. And so the Lord speaks to Abram and personalizes the promise that he had previously spoken to Abram and basically tells him that he's going to have an heir that's a child and it's going to come out of his own bowels between him and his rightful relationship with Sarai. So we see here that God already sets the stage for how Abram is going to have his promise received. But shortly after, Sarai comes up with this terrible idea that Abram complies with, and that's for Abram to have sexual relations with Hagar, and they have Ishmael. And it's very interesting because in chapter 16, it talks about how Hagar was a handmaid from Egypt. And this is a principle for us to understand that we have got to be very careful what things we let get attached to us from the world. Worldliness is not the will of God for the people of God. And letting worldly things get attached to us and us attaching ourselves to those worldly things will have negative consequences in the will of God being accomplished in our lives. Because this introduces a whole saga of family drama where Sarai and Hagar are at odds and Ishmael and Isaac are at odds for many years. And we see that Hagar, of course, being unfortunately a victim in this process, she has an angel sent to her and Ishmael by the Lord, and they are provided for. Now, this is very interesting because we get a lot of attachment to this story by way of the Muslim faith that they attach themselves to, many of them attach themselves to Abram or Abraham through Ishmael. 
But the New Testament shows us that really Ishmael represents the son of flesh. And Isaac is the son of promise, really, which is a result of the spirit. And they represent the struggle between living in the spirit or living in the flesh for the New Testament believer. And so we see that the Jews, per the diagnosis of Galatians, Romans, and the words of Jesus Christ himself, they got so religious that they were trying to fulfill their relationship with God by way of the flesh and not by the way of the spirit. And it's possible for the people of God today to do the same thing, that we try to fulfill our relationship with God by fleshly means and not by being led of the spirit. We can't have both. In fact, we could begin in the spirit, but still end up in the flesh. We've got to choose the spirit habitually in order to possess the promise or the Isaac that the Lord wants us to possess in our walk with God and not produce Ishmael's that cause issues that cause conflict as well for the will of God in our lives. We can't try to fulfill the will of God in our flesh. That's how we get Ishmael's. Things that will linger, that affect our walk with God. We got to do it God's way, with God's instructions. And not negotiate those terms. So we see here that Ishmael's born, really he's the firstborn of Abram. But God wants to perpetuate his promise through Isaac. But he provides for Ishmael along the way because of Hagar's victim position and role in this story. So here we're seeing a lot of family drama that's starting to unfold, this major dysfunction in Abram's family. And the Lord in all of this continues to reveal himself to Abram when Abram seeks the Lord to make things right. Thank God that God is so merciful to rectify and restore relationship with us as long as we go back to Him and repent and repair that which we have erred in. And Abram continues to build altars and Isaac is born. And the Bible shows us here that this comes to a point in the story of Abram's life where God speaks to Abram to sacrifice Isaac. Now we will touch on the story in the next episode, but we have to understand the beginning of Abram's journey with the Lord. It's so important because Abram was discovering the Lord God of heaven and earth all along the way. He was knowing who the Lord was and how the Lord was different than the false gods of Abram's upbringing and his background. He's seeing the Lord intervene and talk to him in ways that he was not used to. 
and it challenged Abram to change his behavior along the way and to not live according to his flesh, but according to the word and spirit of God. Thank you for joining this episode with Send the Church Podcast on Abram, chosen yet still human. Be blessed in Jesus' name.